0: I will work day in and day out. Wake up and smell the coffee. We
1: want to return to the European Union.
0: Another future is possible, but we've got to fight for it. Order. Hello and welcome to The Debated Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Will. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Lucy Hume, chair of the Votes at 16 campaign and founder of The Future Is Ours. Welcome to the podcast, Lucy. Thank you. It's great to have you on. Now, the first question I'd like to ask you is, in terms of votes at 16, what first made you become interested in this um, particular reform to the electoral system, and and how did you get involved in it initially?
1: I think it was, I've always remembered being that 14-year-old girl who was really interested in politics. I've been a member of the Labour Party since I was 15, and I remember watching it on TV and talking about it with my mum and dad, but not having any access or any way to have a say or have my voice heard and I think it's become an issue particularly amongst the younger cohort of people um, the younger generation who are now ever more sort of understanding of the political landscape in this country. We have a great deal in social media and TV and newspapers which young people have regular access to and it's allowed this generation to become far more educated in politics and we know this through surveys that we've done a part, as part of this campaign which has shown us that young people do have the desire to get involved in politics they do want to engage in it and they want to have the say but a lot of young people have really struggled to find that route in even at grassroots levels struggling to find things within the local community that they can get involved in and when they have they're very very limited in what they can actually do aside from going out canvassing and things like that, they have no way to really have the voice heard or have a say in anything that goes on within our political system. And for a lot of them, it's led to this it's led to this major sort of scene of disenfranchisement across the country where mm-hmm. by the time they do reach the age where they're capable to vote, they, they, they've got this apathy with regards to our political system because they've sat back and had to watch decision after decision being made on their behalf without anybody sort of listening to their voice or what they really want. And a lot of them then lose the desire to engage. And research has shown the younger that you start voting, um, the more likely it is to become a habit. And I think for me, it's about not only engaging young people in politics, but giving them an option to have their voice heard. And I think the best way to do that is by expanding the franchise in this country and lowering the voting age to 16. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, you talk about disenfranchisement there. How much of a um, negative impact do you think that feeling of decisions are being taken um, by people who might not have the same kind of life experiences or the life experiences that they have with younger voters are in the distant past, so they might not have the same kind of connection, a feeling that um, decisions are really involving them? How much do you think that that disenfranchisement can have a an overall negative impact, not just on um, younger voters, but potentially those who are uh, 18 plus. So if younger voters aren't able to engage with maybe parents or grandparents and say, you know, we're all going to go out and, and vote together, that those parents and grandparents themselves might not be as encouraged to vote as in um, the 16 year old was able to vote with them.
1: Yeah so we've seen it as a massive as a sort of a massive issue particularly we've spent a lot of time looking at disenfranchisement and apathy towards politics and I think what's important we have to consider the last few years as well when you look at this question we've had young people that have been through a global pandemic they're now seeing themselves and their families living through a cost of living crisis they've seen massive detrimental issues with regards to their education our NHS the mental health system for example and these are all issues which are pinnacally affecting young people up and down this country but they have absolutely no say in it other than that for a lot of them they express their feelings through social media i've built quite a big presence on twitter in the last couple of months and it's become a great tool to sort of connect with some of the young people that we wouldn't ordinarily get to speak to aside from sort of the people who are already engaged within political groups and it's, it's concerning to see the issues that they're bringing up because you can clearly see through the things that they're saying that they have a very detailed awareness and understanding of the core issues that this country are facing, yet they feel this overwhelming apathy at the fact that they can't do anything about it. And it's, it's demoralising to them to have to sit back and watch the struggles and be actively involved in the struggles but have no say in what goes on and no way to change or make any real change in this country without being given access to the votes. And I think we often refer to our political system as being one designed to suit the stale white male. And Mm -hmm. it's it's a phrase that I don't always like to use because I think we are slowly taking steps to move away from that. We've seen a regrowth in the number of female MPs, female councillors, BAME MPs and councillors and also younger MPs entering the House of Commons, but there's still definitely this disconnect between young people and our political system. Yeah, we're making steps in the right direction, but as of right now, I simply do not think we're doing enough to ensure that young people are engaged within our system and have the capability and capacity to speak up and get involved on the issues that are really affecting them in this country today.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, what do you say to um some who might make the argument that votes at sixteen is something that is you know aimed at helping parties that are more uh to the left or the centre left, the, the progressive um, end of the political spectrum, and thus it's something more of a tool by certain political parties rather than necessarily about um. Enlarging the franchise and engaging with younger people. Do you, do you think that there's also an argument there that is overlooked that there will be some you know young conservatives and people who are on the political right who would like to vote at 16, but similarly feel disenfranchised because they don't have the ability to?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think this is something that's quite core to our message through the British Youth Council and through my position as chair, is we're very, very open about the fact that we work on a cross-party level, we're not simply aiming our argument at the left and, as some would say, looking for the easy route of saying this is a party that have been quite open, particularly in the last month, about looking at bringing votes at 16 and introducing it within a manifesto should they win the next election. But we do recognise that this has to be something that's dealt with on a cross-party level. And we recognise also that, obviously, the Conservatives don't necessarily always take the most positive approach to something like this And there are a number of arguments that float around as to why that might be. But we're very, very dedicated and committed to ensuring that we work on this with all parts of the political spectrum because you've got, obviously, you've got your young Labour establishment, but then you've also got your young Conservatives establishment who are a group of young people who are in a very similar situation to ourselves on the more left of the political scale. And we're we're really confident that we can work and engage with all sides of the political line and we're hoping to do this in the next few months we've got conferences coming up which give us a great opportunity to sort of put our arguments and our um, mission out there but it's about sort of making sure that we engage people from across sort of the political dialect in the political line to ensure that all young people's opinions and voices are listened to and that we can create the most robust argument as to why votes at 16 is almost becoming a necessity within this country
0: Mm -hmm. Um, How much impact do you think it would have on the electoral system Just in terms of not only voter engagement But also the potential results of an election Whether that be a general election or a a local election If the change was made and and votes at 16 became a reality
1: It's quite difficult obviously to anticipate any kind of electoral results And Mm -hmm. how big of a difference this this would make um, but obviously, one of the one of the skepticisms of this campaign is oh, but eighteen to twenty four year olds don't necessarily go out and vote anyway. And what we're doing is we're trying to backtrack that argument and say, well, actually, this is what our research has shown, and our research has shown, as I've previously said, that the earlier an individual begins to vote, the more likely it is to become a habit for them and something that they do year on, year upon year, and continue to do as they as they get older. So I think what we would see would be a, a positive increase in the number of young people going out and voting, and I think we have to recognise that that would be across party lines. I don't think it would necessarily lean towards a switch for either party because mm-hmm. we have to we have to also accept that in the current climate, the way that people vote in vote has changed. People don't always necessarily vote in the same way that their parents have voted or vote based on the sort of situation, the class, the background, the wealth, things that would usually determine how an individual goes and votes aren't necessarily as structured as they used to be. But I think the main positive that we'd be looking from something like introducing votes at 16 is to see an increase in the number of young people that are going out and voting, creating this healthy habit and relationship within politics by engaging them, getting young people involved, saying, we're here to listen to you, we've granted you this policy and we want to listen to your ideas and your beliefs and I see it as only a positive thing to allow 16 and 17-year-olds access to our democratic system and our voting system.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Are there any other um, changes to the electoral system that you think might potentially be important to be considered either at the same time? as uh, Votes at 16 or in the future when that has been achieved and there may be another um, change that you think might be uh, worthwhile introducing to the electoral system.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, our manifesto, it's often big out that, oh, we just campaigned for Votes at 16, but our manifesto is actually very robust and very diverse in what we're looking for. Votes at 16 is the headline, it's the target, it's what we want to capture people's attention with. But we're actually also focusing on two other points below that and that's education and access to voting and as we're all aware within sort of the last year the conservatives have put this limit on voting through the use of voter id um, and voter id laws in place and we've researched quite heavily into this both as and i've done it as both as part of the youth council but also separately when establishing the future is ours and looking at how voter ID laws actually limit young people being able to vote and I think a key example of this is if you're over 60 you are able to use an Oyster card if you live in the sort of London region as a form of formal ID um, you can use an over 60s travel pass as a form of ID yet young people can't use their travel cards can't use their student IDs as valid forms of identification yet I'm a student studying at university at the moment and my, my identification card has my date of birth on it. It's got sort of what I'm, where I'm living and what I'm studying. Therefore, everything that a formal piece of identification would have, because I think what we sometimes push to the side, then it's very easy to argue, oh, it's, it, it's easy to get a driver's license or it's easy to get a passport. A lot of young people don't have a spare £90 in the back pocket to go and put a passport application through. Um, and that's not withstanding sort of the wait times I'm getting a passport as well Driver's licence, if you're not learning to drive There's not really much point in you paying I think it's about £32 these days to apply for a provisional licence And then you have to pay a further fee then to get your official driver's licence once you pass your test So I think it's important to recognise that Voter ID laws place not only a financial barrier In place of young people being able to vote But also a practical barrier with them not being able to use things that are supplied to them for free, such as the student IDs and their travel cards. And when you look at this, you see sort of the gap between the old and the young that it's appropriate and acceptable within one age group, but not for the younger people. And I think that ties in really well with sort of this systematic disenfranchisation that we see amongst young people in politics. Mm -hmm. How much
0: impact do you think in in terms of um, voter ID, it's had on stopping people from engaging in elections how much of a a negative effect do you think it's had
1: we've i mean we've seen the statistics and i think it was something that the body shop who were a massive advocate for our campaign have shared on twitter this morning looking at sort of how it's impacted different um people from an ethnic minority background Mm. um and bane people from going out and voting and we can see that we can see the impact it's had there statistically. I think I've read things like upwards of 10,000 people weren't able to vote at recent local elections as a result of voter ID laws. And again, I take statistics with a little bit of a pinch of salt because it's, it's sort of hearsay read through social media and newspapers. And obviously it's hard until we come up with official documentation to know how strenuous it actually was on stopping people from going out and voting. But I think We knew already that there was going to be an impact, particularly amongst disadvantaged communities, black and ethnic minority communities, the younger generation who often struggle to get access to formal kinds of identification. And I think it's about making sure we always talk about making democracy simpler, simplifying the system to allow more people to engage and get involved. Yet we're slowly working our way through and putting more and more barriers in place which are denying people what is an absolute right to go out and have a say in what happens within their country and within their government.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Um, I'd like to turn now to um, The Future Is Ours, which I mentioned at the uh, start of the podcast um, you're the founder of. Um, Could you just explain what The Future Is Ours is?
1: So it started off as a small solo project, um, again, to tie in nicely with the education side of the Youth Council's manifesto we want to ensure that young people have access to robust and routine political education within schools and looking at getting this included within the school curriculum um, as sort of a key point of moving forward and allowing votes at 16. But it was identifying little things from statistics that we've taken such as 66% of young people couldn't name a politician that they admired, which I think given sort of the breadth of our parliament and the number of MPs and councillors and wards that we've got in, I think that was quite a shocking statistic and one that had stuck with me. And it was then that I realised that a lot of young people do not have access to basic political education, whether it be through youth groups within the community or within education. And for a lot of them, it's limited until they reach A-level or even university level. So the initial idea was to set up a small workshop and essentially going to schools and teach the basics of politics to young uh, young people, with them then building up through levels of sort of conversation and debate, and getting to sort of an end of a session where they can all very confidently talk about the political system, naming key politicians, debating policy ideas, and so on and so on. And I ran the first session in mid-July just before the schools broke up with a group of around 22 young people at my local high school and to see the change from them from the start of the session to the end to see how they came in with sort of little confidence to leave in confident and capable to talk about politics and it it just it it sort of cemented this idea of how important but also how fun and engaging and interesting political education can be. it doesn't have to sort of be this rigorous sit down and we'll talk at you for an hour and you'll get nothing out of it we can create it to be this this fun and exciting and innovative thing where young people can learn in an environment that's engaging to them but also massively beneficial because they come away with the skills to help them engage further within democracy and our our parliamentary system
0: (laughs) absolutely i mean why do you think that there has been perhaps a a lack of focus on political education uh, in general in in terms specifically of the um, the school system
1: i think that's a question that's quite difficult to answer because like i said given the prominence of politics within our everyday life you can pinpoint politics down to pretty much everything that happens within within daily life and life routines and education your health services it's it's all massively interconnected to our political system and i think it's really it's really difficult as sort of somebody who's very engaged with politics to to understand the reasoning as to why young people aren't being taught about this i completely understand the prioritization of maths and english and sciences they've always been seen as very important and core subjects to education but there's a clinical lack of life skills being taught within our schools, whether that's mm. regarding politics or further opportunities or CV writing and something we've found through our own research. Um, we've now sort of expanded to it w- with a small team and myself and Antonia Shipley, who's another fantastic advocate within sort of Young Labor and the Labor Party. We've noticed that particularly working class children in state education are more disenfranchised than the sort of privately educated counterparts with regards to political education and networking and cv writing and it, it it's it's difficult to see that education and your background is still placing barriers upon the growth of young people and their potential outcomes in future in, in sort of the future and in the future lives and opportunities and i think it is it, it, it needs to be something that is more heavily prioritized by the government and schools and our school networks and particularly looking at sort of a revamp and a refresh of the curriculum to include politics as something, as a core topic that should be discussed and debated and routinely taught in schools.
0: absolutely. Um, What do you think the um, students that you were speaking to, what do you think was the most surprising thing to them, having been part of the the first initial um, Future uh, Is ours group, what what do you think that they they took away most from it that perhaps they weren't aware of beforehand? Was it simply um, feeling more confidence in the understanding parts of the political system or was it something uh, related to how they could engage with it? What what was
1: it? Uh, um, I think for me, the initial thing, we start off with an activity called Guess Who, Politician Edition. Mm-hmm. So, it's a couple of prominent political figures who appear on sort of the whiteboard or digital screen, and it's their job to sort of work collaboratively to see if they can figure out what party they represent, who the person is, and what the role is within government. And I think for a lot of them, at just as just starting off the session, they were hugely surprised by what they already did know. Mm-hmm. And it reaffirmed to me this idea that young people do know about politics. And they do want to learn and engage about it. And it was really nice to see them already coming in initially with little confidence and thinking sort of, oh, who's this and who's that? And I don't know who this is. But then being able to work together as a group of 20 to name all of the individuals on the board. And it was even some that the teacher, of the other teacher who was supervising didn't know either. They managed to get sort of the local MP, um, Ed, Davey, Ed Davey, leader of the Lib Dems. Angela Rayner, Rishi Sunak, Boris Johnson and they managed to systematically work their way around and name all of these politicians and like I said it just reaffirmed to me that young people do know about politics and then we went on further into the session and it was really great to hear them cohesively discuss politics and talk about it as sort of a group but then also go on and be able to debate it and say look this is why I think you're right in this idea this is why I think you're wrong And I think the confidence and the skills that they can gain through just a two-hour session is absolutely invaluable to beginning this process of engagement and removing the labels of apathy and disenfranchisement and this this tagline that young people don't want to learn about politics because after two hours, I could see the engagement was there. I can see that they definitely do want to learn about it. But obviously, we're a very small organisation. There's only so much that we can realistically do to bring political education to the forefront of our country's requirements and that's why we really need not only the government but the schools and networking the governor's boards to really take a step and say look this actually is something that young people care about they're very hyper aware of the issues that we face in this country and we really ought to be spurring on the skills that they already have and teaching them about politics further.
0: We're coming towards the end of the podcast Lucy um, thank you for taking the time to come on and speak to me uh, but I do have one final question for you if you were in a room with the um, leader of uh, the Conservative Party, the Prime Minister the leader of the opposition, leader of the Labour Party and leader of the Liberal Democrats, who you've already mentioned, uh, Ed Davey and you were to give them a, a pitch as to why they should work together to make votes at 16 happen now what would you say to them to try and convince them that votes at 16 should happen right now?
1: I think the important thing is is to remove the sort of partisan preemptions and sort of existing expectations with regards to the parties. And we need to look at this isn't something that you should be using for political gain or political benefit. You have to look at the up-and-coming generation in this country, the young people who are going to be going in the polling stations who are going to be getting involved in politics who are going to be impacted by political decisions every single day of their life regardless of whether they're involved directly or indirectly we have to think that politics is a system as I've mentioned that directly impacts us all through our healthcare systems our schools our businesses everything the job networking the opportunities politics is intrinsically inside of all of our lives And I think we have to look at this isn't for any sort of political gain or benefit. This is for bettering the lives of young people within this country and ensuring that we don't create and even further develop this long-standing system of apathy that young people have towards politics. We should be looking to engage the younger generation to interest them, to get them involved, to even work with them on the lower levels through grassroots organisations and campaigns to ensure that young people have a voice within this country and a capability to have a say on the most important issues. So, yeah, I think the important thing is is we we need to look at how we can approach this in a non-partisan way and say this isn't about bettering yourself or your party, this is about bettering the lives of the younger generation, young people in this country.
0: Absolutely. Thank you uh, once again for taking the time to speak to me, Lucy. If people want to find out more about you, more about the organisations you represent, where should they go?
1: Um, I have my own Twitter page. Um, it's at Lucy Isabel Hume. Uh, the British Youth Council are very active on their website. If you just type in British Youth Council on Google, you'll be able to read about our manifesto, find out our petition. Um, the Body Shop is very active with the Be Seen, Be Heard campaign, um, targeting multiple different sort of trajectories of issues that affect young people in this country. And I would really urge young people, if you have an interest in politics, you have a desire to get involved. Don't let anything put you off. Don't let anything stop you. Have a look at the British Youth Council website. See what opportunities are going within their youth action groups and forums. And get involved because you could really help to make a difference in the lives of other young people across this country.
0: Fantastic. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast, Lucy.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've enjoyed it, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbeam, and Amazon Music. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Podcast, like us on Facebook, Podcast, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, whether about appearing on an episode of the podcast, or commenting on an episode that you've listened to, you can do so at the at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, I hope you listen to the next one.